Thanks for tuning in to Best Show Ever, a podcast presented by the Englert Theater. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Melise Brunet, the University of Iowa's very first female orchestral conductor. We'll also get a snapshot of Felix Anamon's insane career journey from Ghanan model to Iowa City businessman. Trust me, you guys are in for a ride. Speaking of career, have you heard the good news? The Inkler is now hiring in several departments, including box office, concessions, production, and security. Join us in our mission of promoting positive community growth through the arts and apply today. Learn more at inkler.org employment. Melise Brunet began her musical career at the ripe age of seven at a music school in Paris, and now she's the first ever female conductor for the University of Iowa. She directs symphonic concerts, operas, and musical theater, and teaches orchestral conducting to master and doctorate students. Melise, thank you so much for coming on to the Best Show Ever podcast. Excited to chat with you a little bit today. Hi, Yeli. Thanks for having me. First question, just laying the foundation here. Can you describe the conductor's role in a band or an orchestra? Yeah, so uh, the conductor's role in an orchestra is going to be very basic things like get everybody starting together. You know, when you've got many people playing together, you need someone starting everybody, stopping everybody. But it's going to be also changing the speed and finding a good speed for the piece you are playing and change of speed inside of the piece, as well as, you know, asking to be louder or softer and make sure that we can hear all the instruments very nicely from the audience. That's why the conductor is in the middle. So they can they can hear to the entire orchestra and know, OK, we need here more timpani, uh, or more double bass, but less first violin, for example. And what informs your decisions? Obviously, you have the music in front of you, and it says forte or pianissimo. Obviously, there's some direction there for you, but how do you take that even further? Uh, so all of those indications generally are on the score in front of the conductor. So the conductor is the only person in the orchestra uh, that has the entire score of all the instruments playing in the ensemble. Each player in the orchestra mm-hmm. only has their part. Okay, So that's very helpful for the conductor to know exactly who missed an entrance, um, who needs to play louder, and ha- have the overview of the piece. So... When you prepare at home, I'd say like the preparation of the score for a conductor is probably um, 90% of the work, you know, like the bottom of the iceberg and then the rehearsals Mm. and concert are the tip of the iceberg. But what I will do, I will study everything, take notes and then hear it. Here's a piece in my head and decide where I want for it to go, what I want to make of it, what's going to be very expressive, uh, where I want to highlight that instrument and more other. So basically, I'm going to build the interpretation in my head and then bring that interpretation to the musicians, rehearse it together, and then perform it together. Mm. Yeah, it really is. A, sounds a lot like, you know, directing a movie. You're given the script, but you are adding your own 
artistic decisions and the direction that you take the song, which totally makes sense. Are you, when you're sort of like preparing and going through and thinking about what you want to emphasize, are you going off of the a feeling that the piece is giving you? Are you thinking about, you know, the person who wrote the piece or what they wrote it about? What are you taking into consideration when you're making those decisions? Yeah, it's really uh, all of what you said, actually, you know. Um, so I'm a very instinctive person. Uh, and But I base mm-hmm. all of his instinct on serious study of the composer's composer's life eventually if the composer is alive to connect directly with the composer and ask questions but if they are not alive then you know i'm gonna read about their life um and about the history at that time because a lot of them were you know they were in a country where there were events happening and that often impacted uh, their art or to also know about paintings you know or literature at the very same time So there is all of that research happening. And then um, I also go by instinct. I start having a feel for the composer and really think, okay, that's the way I need to go there. So it's a mix of all of that. And I like your comparison with movie um, because I think it's really similar. And similarly with movies where when you have actors uh, on stage, here the actors are the musicians and as a conductor, you need to, you know, um, find the right balance between them feeling free and feeling free to bring their high level and experience and arts and you guiding. So it's kind of chamber music helping each, chamber music helping each other's making the best piece ever. Wow. <laughs> there is a lot of factors there, clearly. And it's not only just like, the anthropological historical investigation but the spiritual feeling and humanity that you're trying to bring out of a piece what a fun puzzle piece that you get to put together um i'm curious also when i see conductors when there's a performance happening on a stage i truly get the feeling that they are also performing not just directing or leading, but they're giving a performance themselves. Do you feel that? Like, do you feel the energy as a performer? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah, you're correct. We are, I think we are kind of actors because we are the only person on stage that is not creating sounds. You know, we are we cannot play music and we cannot speak and we cannot sing. So uh, all the magic happens just by, from our body. So the body motion, the eyes, what do your eyes say, your facial expressions um, and uh, the motions of the arms. So that's, that's absolutely fascinating to see how much someone who does not talk, does not sing, and does not play music can impact greatly the playing of 90 or 100 musicians in front of them. There is something absolutely fascinating about it uh, because you will, if you hear, for example, an orchestra playing the same piece and two conductors, different conductors, you will never hear the same. 
because everybody will have an impact on the sound that is different. Yeah, that's so cool. That would be, um, I'm sure that's out there somewhere where you can look up a song and hear one conductor do it and then hear another conductor do it and like compare. Uh, that would be a very interesting experiment. When did you decide that you wanted to pursue conducting as as a career in your life? Where did that love story begin? Uh, so it started with music, actually. Um, when I was a teenager, you know, that's often a very difficult time <laughs> uh, in your life. And for me, sure. music well, was a very safe haven. Uh, a place where I could express myself uh, without being judged. And um, so that was a place where um, I could be me, where everywhere else I felt I could not. So I really fell in love with music kind of early. And then conducting, it was when I was about 14 or 15 years old, uh, playing in an orchestra in France where I grew up and I, I had said that vision suddenly that, you know what, I actually want to bring to life uh, those pieces that the composer wrote um, because I have special ideas about it and uh, I'm sure I'm going to do a great job with that and help classical music to be more appreciated everywhere. And so since that point, I've never left I always, uh, that's always what I wanted to do, which is very seldom, you know, to find, you generally change totally your taste from when you were 14 years old, <laughs> 14 or 15 years old, you know, mm -hmm. everything changed. But for me, it sticks with me, like, I will be a conductor. Okay, mm -hmm. I, I think my last question, obviously, you're an, an artist, you know, what uh -huh. you do is an art. What do you think sets you apart as a conductor of music? Yeah, um, I think like every person is unique to begin with, you know, um, and we are 7 billion or something and we are all unique. Uh, so what I'm going to bring, you know, is like uh, from what I where, where I grew up from, the environment, what I learned, what are my passion. Then in terms of personality, uh, I'm someone who is very passionate and full of energy. Uh, as well as I'm a hard worker, I have very high level work ethics. Um, so I think um, all of that shows up when I'm conducting. It's pretty clear when you see me conducting. And, uh, and I'm also uh, very, very passionate about uh, defending the composers the best I can, uh, teaching the best I can to the students so they become great artists themselves or at least great citizens or both of them, depending what's going to be their field, you know. Um, so I think it's uh, also what's uh, one of my unicity is that I was born in France, grew up in France, but also did a lot of my studies in the USA. So I've been living in America for 12 years and I think all of that brings... Uh, something very special. Mm, awesome. Okay, I lied. I do have one more question. Do you have a favorite kind of music, a subgenre of classical music, or a favorite composer? What's your jam? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I am like 
very curious person. Like I'm obsessively curious. Uh, so I'm not the kind of person to put myself in a box and say, you know what, I'm just going to do opera. That's my thing, period. I don't want to hear anything else. So in classical music, I love everything. I listen to everything and I try to conduct as many uh, styles, genres as possible. But I'm also, you know, listening to other things and classical music, which I love too. Uh, and that inspires me obsessively curious. I love that phrase and what a wonderful way to exist. I just really love that you said that. Thank you so much again for, I know you're super busy taking time to share a little bit about your art with us. I'm so excited that I get to say I know a conductor now, selfishly. Um, I think that's so cool. So appreciate you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Eli, uh, for taking the time to interview me and for your great questions. Yeah, I had a fantastic time. We'll be right back in conversation with Felix and Amon after a quick word from our development director, Katie Roche. Did you know that you could be promoting your business, organization, or event to Best Show Ever podcast listeners by placing an ad here on the show? Sponsoring Best Show Ever or other Inglert programming ties your brand to a local legacy, the Inglert Theater, and your support of the Inglert now means more than ever before. In 2020, we experienced significant revenue shortfall brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. Through this financially tumultuous time, we're producing new digital productions, including this podcast, our Stages concert series, and Witching Hour Festival, all to inspire positive community growth through the arts. Packages range from $100 on up. Our investment in the arts community is only possible with support from sponsors like you and art supporters are known for supporting those that support the arts. Visit englert.org sponsorship for all of the information about how to advertise. I mean, you're listening right now. Place your ad here, englert.org sponsorship. Who is Felix Anamon? Who isn't Felix Anamon? Between Akragana, New York, and Iowa City, Felix has been a model fashion designer, radio host, pageant director, political campaign manager, and now he's an entrepreneur and owner of Animon Concierge Services. Felix, so excited to have you. Thank you for taking some time to be on the podcast today. Thank you kindly, and thank you for having me. Yes, and you're in the middle of the action. You're yes. in the office. It's another yes. hustle and bustle day for you over there. Absolutely right. I want to start. I am so intrigued. You started your career in fashion, modeling. You got a degree in fashion. That's correct. Um, High-end women's clothing line, Miss Ghana beauty pageant for 10 years. I'm like, what? Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Can you tell us a little bit about what interested you in fashion and why you stuck with it for so long before i went into i, I got in uh, i got into high school i went for an audition i just wanted to do something entertaining entertaining others not me watching others you know entertaining mm -hmm. me so uh, i went for an audition uh back in ghana uh, and i'm actually from accra ghana 
and uh, Kids Kids uh, production called Kida Fest, and then we have another one, Proud to Kida Fest. It was a big children's festival in Ghana. Proud to that one, we had I think it was a young uh, cr- young creative kids event. Um, so I saw the audition. I couldn't rap. I couldn't sing. Um, <laughs> I didn't do most of the things. I mean, those talented kids were doing. I was quite devastated. So on my way out, I saw people walking. And I was like, man, that I can do. Little did I know that was modeling. So <laughs> I got into modeling at that age. Uh, I was pretty young. I think around 15, 14, 15 years or younger than that. Um, so before high school, um, I mean, I was on TV. Uh, I was that little star. And... Um, Teachers and students, you know, would come see me and like, "Hey, you on TV?" You, you know, and it was, wow. it was, it was great. And uh, they so they encouraged me. Uh, I studied business at high, in, in high school, so they encouraged me to, you know, to do more. And I thought I was going to be a chartered accountant, uh, spend life in the accountant world. I mean, based on the encouragements. Um, that they gave me and recognizing the fact that I, I I was into fashion and they wanted to see more of it. My passion for fashion grew from there because I started directing, choreographing uh, fashion-related projects. I did uh, Sketches of Ghana, which was one big art event in Ghana. I literally had to shave to look grown to win that contract hmm. uh, as a director uh, of that project, I did uh, quite a lot, um, you know, fashion projects. Uh, so after high school, I gave myself time to, you know, decide whether I wanted to be, you know, pursue my business degree or fashion. So I decided to go into fashion school rather than a business school. And uh, it worked out perfectly right after, I, you know, my fashion school, graduating as a fashion designer in 2002. I was on Miss Ghana uh, as a fashion designer. I, I set up a modeling agency back in Ghana uh, called Sleek Walk a Modeling Agency. Uh, but I wanted to do something that would basically, you know, give career, real career opportunities to models. So it, it took so much of me and my time, my money and everything. Eventually I couldn't sustain mm. it or so had to cut it off. So in the process, I also had the opportunity of grooming beauty queens in Ghana. Uh, I did, you know, director choreographed, you know, a lot of fashion projects, including Miss Ghana, original uh, tours. I uh, spent a little time also into television and radio, uh, radio thing that I was doing called the Pinnacle Music, Music Charts Show. And then let me just give you a gist of what I used to do for the um, show that I, I've me- I mentioned to you. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing you the most credible Guinea music charts of the top 10 songs in Ghana. Based on quality of production, yes, vocal and rap delivery, cross border appeal and popularity. This is how the chart stands this week. And- You're like a whole personality. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I was kind of just thinking like a behind the scenes situation, but you're like, <laughs> you are the showbiz. That's so, yes, awesome. So this, yes, um, and this was about, I think, 13 years ago. Uh, 
So, it, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time in the showbiz, I, you know, uh, in the creative, you know, part of showbiz, backstage, to be precise. I love, I love, love, love backstage. I, I cannot, I cannot sit down and watch events. I'm like, it looks like we have pins on my seats or, you know, I, I love to be backstage. <laughs> it's its own kind of energy. Yeah. Like the backstage, everyone's running around, like getting ready, right. being right. becoming glamorous to yeah. present to an audience. People, people have no idea the amount of work that goes on backstage for, let's say, even for a fashion show, five minute fashion show, they have no idea the craziness. And that's what I love. So, I mean, it's it's been quite a wonderful journey uh, for me especially my fashion career, I've had the opportunity of meeting a lot of people. As uh, I was invited here to uh, come uh, showcase on Brooklyn Fashion Week, and I mm -hmm. thought I was uh, going to spend two weeks. I told my staff back at home, I had about five employees back at home. I told them, hey, I'll see you in two weeks. And that two weeks turned into, uh, uh, gosh, eight, eight years. <laughs> uh, Felix. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm that terrible. I'm that terrible. And, uh, you know, one fashion show led to the other. And the day that I was supposed to go back, I mean, I was, I remember very well, I was at Fashion High School in New York uh, doing a presentation. And I looked at my time and I told myself, like, there's no way I'm going to make it. So I kept pushing back my, you know, my uh, departure. And every fashion show led to the other and another. And it was, it was, I mean, it is quite expensive to go and come back. So I was like, yeah. well, I just wait and then I go back. And then, you know, and within the shortest possible time, within, I think, about two years, I had visited about uh, 30 plus states showcasing my stuff. One of my biggest, biggest uh, personality that I had the opportunity of doing stuff for was Iris Apfel. She is an amazing, amazing fashion icon. And, yes. Uh, so, yes. I mean, I remember I'll carry my machine, go to her house, you know, fix the stuff for her. And sometimes she would even want me to leave. She would, yeah. you know, she would invite me for <laughs> dinner. We'll sit at one table, eat and all of that. So, she, yeah, she, she is truly an icon. That's so she cool. Is. She is. This is like why I love this podcast because like <laughs> I would never think, you know, someone in Iowa City would have all of this background. Well, I want to talk a little bit how you ended up in Iowa City, which, if I'm not wrong, is a bit of a love story. It is. Can you just briefly tell us how that unfolded? So I was in New York minding my business, and I thought New York was the <laughs> biggest, biggest place ever. I mean, look, it's 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 a crime to live in New York City. I mean, look, it's a crime. <laughs> it is. I know I'm going to get a lot, lot of haters on this, but... Uh, so I was living in New York City, minding my business, working hard, you know. Um, I came to visit a friend and I met my wife. And um, when we got married, uh, the whole idea was to move her to New York. I came to spend some time here. And uh, when I did, I was quite shocked. I mean, I had a shock of my life. People would smile at you coming from New York. People would want to talk to you. I mean, I'll walk by the streets and people will wave at you. I'm like, I called my friends back in New York. I'm like, people are going nuts here. I mean, uh, you know, you don't you don't get that in New York. People are literally on the clock. Like, you, you're so much in a rush to go your way, let alone, mm. you don't even have a second to look at someone and smile. If you look at someone, it's like either you're cursing at that person 
Give me way. <laughs> you know, well, people were nice. And, you know, I, I got, went back to New York and I called my wife and I told her, I said, hey, unpack, I'm coming back. She had a shock of her life. And uh, I think moving back here has been one of the best decisions I've ever made, uh, living in Iowa City. I mean, look, if you're listening to this, Iowa City is the place, man, moving in here. I mean, cost of living, I'm raising family, um, you know, quality of life. I mean, you name it all. It's 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 the awesome place to be. So, mm. so that's a little love story that got me to Iowa City. Um, well, I want to talk about your business quickly, which you grew from just being you. Now you have a full staff. Can you talk about? what you enjoy about being in this line of work? The most interesting thing about working this business is the people that I work with because they literally are my energy. Um, without them, this business isn't there, um, you know, and they do so well uh, in getting this business going. All the drivers, um, you know, um, uh, my office, you know, team, uh, Morgan, uh, uh, Morgan Moore, I mentioned a name, Morgan Moore, I, I, I kind of mention a name like I don't know how many times every day uh, just to bug her. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I keep telling her if I was back on radio, I would mention everybody would know her. She's awesome. <laughs> and then I have I have also awesome, uh, you know, drivers. Uh, and I have quite a rich of rich, you know, uh, um, stuff. Uh, you know, I have some PhD holders that drive with us. I have nurses that do this with the part-time. I have managers from various institutions that do part-time with us. And because we pay, you know, we pay them very well. So it's it's all about work and happiness. And I always tell them that if you wake up in the morning and you don't feel excited to come to work, that means I'm not doing any something right. So I create wow. that, yes, I create that work and happiness environment. Um, you know, that we're a team, you know, and all of that. And so far, the people that work with me, I don't say for me, work with me, uh, you know, uh, are very, very excited to be with us. And I love thinking back to the fact that you passed on business school, but still here you are, this very astute business person, maybe the school of life, perhaps. Right, right. My last question for you, and this one might... um make the wheels really turn i'm supposed to ask you what your favorite live event in iowa city has been now I'm going, to be a, I'm going to be a little biased because i'm i'm a board member on the summer of the art Ooh, so okay. that's okay yes i love all the shows the summer of the art put up because you know they keep the city alive the Friday, Saturday night concert series, uh, you know, those little interesting events that bring people together. I mean, look, I get so much energy when around people. So I love that. Uh, the, the Soul Fest, um, the Jazz Festival. So those events bring in the live free concerts. These are my favorite, favorite shows in the city. And I, I wish that we do them year round. Well, Felix, you are so interesting and you have <laughs> such a cool history. And I feel really lucky that we got to get a little bit of that rich history on the podcast today. So thank you again for uh, thank you so coming much. on. 
Thank you so much for having me. I really, I think that we've had we, we've had quite a lot of interesting fun time uh, on this uh, podcast. And thank you, you rock. Our song of the week is Hurt Me from Iowa City's own Davian J. This song was recorded with the help of United Action for Youth's very own recording studio. Let me tell you a bit about this recording studio. It's got instruments, guitars, drums, saxophone. It's got mics. It's got state-of-the-art recording software, all available for free to the youth of Iowa City. Not only do these young people get the opportunity to play instruments and record music that may have been financially inaccessible outside of the program, they also join the ranks of artists who have worked with groups such as Lake Street Dive, Colby Calais, Big Oak, and more. Can we shout out the folks at UAY one time? We don't do it enough. What an amazing thing to have in our community. Thank y'all for putting it together. Now, back to Iowa City's next best thing, Davian J with his song, Hurt Me. Don't even want to be honest Never come to you when I'm a mess Can I ever take a moment? Yeah. Can you ever be my rock? I talk to you as like a rock. I need you, the emotion stop. Never thought I'd be the one who stop loving you, loving you. Why you wanna play with me, baby? Try to really hold me, baby. Yeah. 
Serving the Iowa City area, Martin Construction was voted Best Home Improvement Company by Little Village in 2019 and 2020. Martin Construction is here to improve your home and lifestyle, incorporating the best design, products, workmanship, service, and trade partners, and with the lowest impact on your personal and global environment. Visit them online at andrewmartinconstruction.com. Martin Construction, member of the Greater Iowa City Home Builders Association and Johnson County Affordable Housing Coalition. Support for this podcast comes from Friends of the Inglert. To learn more, visit inglert.org friends. Ongoing support provided by the National Endowment for the Arts and the Iowa Arts Council, a division of the Iowa Department of Cultural Affairs, and by the United States Regional Arts Resilience Fund. Phase One is an initiative of Arts Midwest and its peer United States Regional Arts Organizations, made possible by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation.